before we get into this episode this week, I want to take the time to thank every one of you veterans out there and all the veterans that have passed and protected and defended the freedoms of the United States and provided the wealth that we have in abundance today. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what people have went through to provide what we have today. My father was a World War II veteran. That man went through a lot that I will never understand, nor will any other person. We have to remember these people that go into foreign lands, foreign wars, they do so willingly. Remember them and thank them. God bless this great nation of America and all the veterans, past, present, and future, that serve providing the freedoms of this great nation. Congratulations, and we thank you. Welcome to this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. This week we continue our look inside Visualized American Government, 1964 edition. In this week's episode, we take a look at issues between northern and southern states, compromises dealing with slavery, the problem of the executive, and basic issues on which there was full agreement. So let's get into this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Before we get into the episode, people, I have to promote PodCoin. PodCoin.com is a great new app which allows you to get paid for listening to podcasts like mine right here on Free Circle Freedoms. You can claim your own podcast and get featured inside their directory as well. So why don't you get over to PodCoin.com, download the app either on Android or iPhone, and use the promotional code DEAD, that's D-E-A-D, and you can get it a little extra for doing so. Get over to podcoin.com and check this cool new tool for podcasters and podcast lovers out. Issues between northern and southern states. Almost as significant as the division between small states and the large states was the conflict of interest between the south, which was predominantly agricultural, and the north, which depended on commerce and industry as well as on farming. 
as the great exporting section of the nation, the South feared the effects of customs, duties, and navigation acts. Consequently, another compromise gave Congress the power to regulate foreign and interstate commerce, but prohibited any tax on exports. Since treaties were to have the effect of law, the South sought to protect itself against agreements contrary to its interest by the provision that ratification should be by two-thirds vote of the Senate. Compromises dealing with slavery. Although slavery in 1787 was neither the moral nor the economic issue which it later became, the convention was obliged to consider several aspects of the problem. Because some delegates opposed direct mention of the institution in the fundamental law, the words slave and the word slavery were kept out of the text of the Constitution to satisfy South Carolina, which insisted on being given an opportunity to increase its slave population. Congress was enjoined from prohibiting the importation of slaves before the year 1808. In the appointment of representatives and direct taxes, the convention adopted the three-fifths rule by which slaves were to be reckoned at three-fifths of their whole number. This device did not originate in the convention. The Congress of the Confederation had recommended the three-fifths states ratio in the proposed revenue amendment of 1783. The South, furthermore, received a direct guarantee of its slave property by the provision requiring the return of persons held to service or labor in one state who escaped into another. This period was a very unhealthy period in America. However, the persistence and the integrity of individuals that kept persisting, stepping forward, saying no, 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 that's what came about in America. The ability for people to be free eventually happened. Problem of the Executive On no other issue did the convention display such a wide divergence of opinion as in the matter of the executive. Some feared that a single executive 
would invite criticism that the convention was creating a monarchy. But Wilson's reminder that every state had a single official at the head of its government to execute the law proved decisive. The president's term of office at first was tentatively fixed at seven years and then reduced to four. By general agreement, the Constitution remained silent on the question of re-election, although several delegates suggested a provision for establishing a council to advise the President. The convention merely provided for heads of departments leaving the cabinet system to develop by usage. The manner of choosing the president posed another perplexing problem. Election by the federal legislator was deemed inadvisable on the ground that it would destroy the independence of the executive. Direct election by the people was rejected for fear it would result in the choice of a demagogue. The virtually unique electoral system, which was finally adopted, represented another compromise between large and small states. It was believed that 19 times out of 20, no candidate for the presidency would be able to secure a majority of the electoral vote, and that the choice, therefore, would be thrown into the House of Representatives, since the more populous states had the larger number of electors, it was agreed to offset this advantage by providing that when the choice of the president developed upon the House, the representation of each state should have one vote. Under this scheme, it was believed that the large states would name the candidates, but that the selection of one of them as president would be controlled by the small states. We know, of course, that it is has never worked that way. Basic issues on which there was full agreement. The close attention usually devoted to the disagreements and compromises at the Constitutional Convention often obscured the fact that the idea on which the delegates were in agreement were far more significant than the issues on which they disagreed. Most of the delegates were in accord on the great economic issues of the day. The disputes were largely on the political means to be employed in achieving their common aims. The convention was virtually united in its desire for a stable form of government which would safeguard the interest of the planters 
merchants, shipbuilders, and industrialists, and also enabled workers and farmers to live in peace and security. There were no serious objections to the proposal to vest in Congress ample powers to tax, to regulate commerce, to coin and borrow money, and to pay all debts contracted before the adoption of the Constitution. Hey, thanks for joining this week's episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so we can get more people interested in freedom. Also, join us next week when we start covering the conservative character of the Philadelphia Convention. Also, we look into the provisions for ratification. It's going to be interesting. Make sure you join in next week right here on Free Circle Freedoms. Yes, I want to give a big salute to all veterans for all the sacrifices of the fallen. America, home of the free because of the brave. To all veterans, we give a big salute. Thank you. Amen.